invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke 21. Luke 21, and kind of gave warning that we we're going to take our time through, through this, um, which is okay. I mean, quite often I was thinking of a, an illustration, I'm not very good at them, but uh, I was thinking of a rototiller when you're getting your garden ready, right? You don't just skim over the top. Right there, you sit there and you let it dig a little bit and it works out the things that need to be worked out. Now, I grew up in Gray County where <laughs> sometimes you fire the rototiller out and it was rock. It, it, that's how much rocks there were in it. But uh, once you, you put the work in, then you still find these different things. But uh, also recognize as a, as a pastor and a preacher that we're in a passage where it I mean, the line has been drawn for these people, right? The judgment, the, the cursing has already been done, and, and it can get really, really negative, right? And I don't want to, as a, as a, as a preacher, as a pastor, as a shepherd, be up here and, and just sound like I'm railing, railing in a negative way, right? So I've been really asking... Um, as we step into this, and, and maybe I'll pray first just to try and keep a sequence to thought, but uh, just praying. There is encouragement when we're reading about judgment. Right, there is. And you might say, how on earth is there judgment when <laughs> or encouragement when you're reading about judgment? And kind of what we read earlier in Deuteronomy 30, not all walk in disobedience. Right, not all... Are, are walking, not all are going to, to endure the, the wrath that's coming. So even in the midst of, of Jesus speaking this judgment, or in the midst is I'm showing you why these people were, were about to be judged in this horrific way, and why, you know, why the tribulation has to happen. Even in the midst of that, there is still encouragement because God's grace and hope is presented through this. Right? You don't have to go through this. So for those that have placed their faith in Christ, praise the Lord. The rapture is going to happen and we're delivered. Um, that doesn't remove our responsibility for living now. But even as Jesus is speaking in the temple to these people, they have a choice. They can choose life. They can choose life and sacrifice and follow Christ. I mean, even in the midst of the, the most horrific judgment, there's, there's hope and encouragement. So let me pray. Um, I'll share some of these things. Uh, I want to get to Matthew chapter 10 um, this morning, so even if I have to jump, it's about three-quarters of the way down the page, but, uh, and I notice we have some visitors here, so um, this will be a good study with us this morning. Dearly Father, Lord, we just thank you um, for these texts. I think of just how they aren't too mysterious for us. Lord, it does take work. Lord, we have to have the desire in our hearts to, to seek you in your word. But Lord, you give us our spirit, your spirit to lead us in this. Lord, and it comes alive when we choose you. And that would be my prayer this morning as we read through this. Lord, we may think of some different sermons and messages. We might think of some material, Lord, and and I know full well that David, Jeremiah, and, and these other guys, that this is their specialty, uh, can present this in, with charts and forms and in exciting ways. But Lord, I would ask that you would lead your people to grasp it 
from your word in this way this morning. So I pray that you would use me, Lord, that we would see our responsibility in this and that we would take both hope and encouragement if our lives are walking in obedience with you. But Lord, I pray that there's a rebuke and exhortation. Lord, if we find ourselves in broken fellowship. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. So in the midst of of judgment, I I wrote down on a little sticky note, um, the more grass I cut, the more thinking I do. And so uh, Chris is going to be mowing the whole neighborhood by the time you're done um, thinking. But uh, I wrote down on a sticky note, encourage us, pastor. So as we sit here in this this text, right, we have Jesus in in verse 5. We'll maybe begin here. It says, then as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations, Jesus said, these things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another. That shall not be thrown down. So they asked him, saying, teacher, and they're speaking to, to Jesus, uh, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he goes into this. And I thought to myself, you know, in the midst of a very bleak, message lesson on judgment like everything that you hold dear everything that you prize towards what you believe is going to be removed right in the midst of that jesus still had a small group around him right and i think of of what our world is going through what two years i mean and i mean i i know i know times have been bleak you look through history i mean think world wars think of of there's been a lot of things go on in our lifetimes right and previously But Jesus still, in the midst of that hardness, had a small group around him still listening. That's something to be thankful for. Even even when we we look at what Christianity and what's happening as pews are becoming more and more empty, there's still a small group around listening. And that's huge. That's how God works. Jesus had a small group around him who believed, who were listening. Like, I mean, they didn't fully comprehend it. I mean, I, I can only imagine um, it would be, no, I'm not even going to go there. But I mean, it made, like, what? And they're processing. They believed, they were listening. Jesus had a small group that would obey and endure what we're going to read this morning. They would commit to this sacrifice. They would stay and sacrifice and serve. And that, that's huge. They were going to face the persecution and pressure and martyrdom. There was a small group around Jesus that would decide to follow Jesus. And that's something that, that we can really take hold of. I do have to partner that with. Not everyone in this group we're going to. Right? This small group was small for a reason. I thought to myself about this small group. I'm thankful as a young man... I've been saying that a lot lately. Maybe that's because I'm approaching 40 here shortly. But I'm thankful as a young man for an example of a small group committing to following Jesus. And we're going to read here, and Jesus doesn't, you know, no bars hold. I mean, he, he puts it all out there. This is what you're going to face. This is what you're going to walk through. This is what your world's going to look like. This is what your family is going to go through if you follow me. And as a young man, the example that people did follow Jesus is huge for me, right? Especially there when things get hard. And I'm like, you know what? Don't put me in coach. <laughs> I'm done. I'm okay on the bench. 
But we have an example here. People do walk through these things. I'm thankful for the manual. The last two years, I found myself going to these passages, and we talked about it in our small groups, about hard times, about going through political seasons, about all these different things. And what Jesus said was coming. I'm thankful for this manual. And I'm thankful for this small group that God used to start the church. Right? These people, the ones that decided, are who we see at Pentecost. Believers. Received the Spirit. They're the ones that went. They're the ones that God used. Sitting in this temple going, all this is going to be gone. And then it's going to be on us. And I mean, that's, that's something. If you sit there and meditate on that, that's huge as it goes out from that. So the encouragement there is there's small groups. And guess what? There's small groups everywhere that are opening the Word. They're committing. It's not going to be easy. They don't have to be perfect. But God is, is still working then, and He's still working now. So as we step into the text, and we'll, we'll shift over to the notes, what have we established thus far? And I'm going to ask you there just to notice as we work down through this outline. Are there similarities to the church today? Okay, and this is where we'll get a little bit more constructive. Okay? As we read verse 5 and 6, we'll remember a message that I presented where Judaism had become tradition or religion. Right? It became something that people just did. I mean, Sunday morning, I'm not really interested. I don't know why I'm going. My wife's dragging me. I'll put my suit on, and we're going to go. Okay? Judaism had become a tradition or religion, and God was going to remove it, right? God, the, the God's people, God's covenant people weren't spiritually attached to the worship of the temple. They weren't spiritually attached to the offerings they were given, whether it was in the plate or the money box. They weren't spiritually, and God's like, you know what? By the time I'm done in 80, 70, there isn't going to be a rock in this place that's not flipped over. We thought tables were bad enough, <laughs> right? I mean, he's just going to deal with this religion tradition, um, verse 7, they're asking right there, and, and, and with, I preached a message on the listeners still wanted proof before they would put things into action when we read it. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, when will these things be, and what sign will be there when these things were about to take place? We went to Deuteronomy chapter 18, where this new prophet was promised. Right? And even as Jesus prophetically is saying this, they're like, okay, Prove it. Even after three and a half years of, of, of healing the sick and raising the dead and preaching that he's speaking for God, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's sitting in the temple and they're like, you know, we're not quite there yet. And we looked a little bit. I mean, the, the, the people here, well, they, they wanted proof before they'd repent. Was that the thing? Did they want proof before they'd obey and what God was speaking or believe? And we, we looked at that, and I think I spent quite a bit of time on that, about the word of God holding no authority yet for them. Right? As Jesus spoke, that should have been, uh, he speaks for the Father? That should settle it. And we know what happens when the, the authority of the word of God is removed from a culture. Right? They're like, okay, Jesus, prove it. Or, or preacher, you're up there saying, saying that, prove it. We talk about this in our small studies. I'll I shouldn't have to. I'm reading it. You don't answer to me. You need to deal with this. You need to deal with God's word. 
I mean, it, 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 without getting off topic. And I mean, we see that. The families, the children of Judaism could not care less what Jesus is saying here. Is there similarities to today? Very much so. Right? And we see that culture. We see that. And we wonder as those, those end times, those preparations start ramping up, we wonder why would God do the tribulation? It's very clear. Right? The similarities are there. The same reason AD 70 happened, the same way, reason the, the tribulation will happen. We use the term in the shadow to, to, to approach verses 8 and 9, and that's a David Jeremiah thing. Um, it says this, And he said, Take heed that you do not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And the time has drawn near, therefore do not go after them. In the midst of, of tension... Right? And, and political and economic and, 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 and all those different things. There's going to be rise people that, that are false prophets that aren't speaking for God. Right? And they're going to be presenting, and I, and I wrote it down here, and I thought it was unique just, just how God laid it out here. Um, they create their own program. In the midst of these tensions, and, and if you look at that verse, do not be deceived. They're going to create their own program. God is sending judgment, and they're going to create their own program to downplay it. And for those that took the time to read that Josephus account, I mean, that's what the, the false prophets did. In the midst of, of the famines and the wars and the attacks, they're like, no, no, the, the hope is coming. God's going, to, God's going to bring his kingdom. You know, the judgment isn't real. I mean, you read it. It's right in the history books. And God's like, no, don't listen to them. I'm judging you. <laughs> this is it. It's here. Right? I said it was coming, and I'm going to deal with this sin. Let's read verse 9. He says, but when you hear of wars and commotions. Think about that for a second. How would you define a commotion? <laughs> think, think on a world scene. Is there commotions going on today? I mean, I, I mean, is there is there commotions going on North America? I mean, it doesn't. I don't think it's very hard to make news or make up news today, is it? Right? I mean, it just commotion. That's a good definition. That's a good Bible definition for what's going on. Canada is there commotion? I think there. I'm more scared that it's quiet because the commotion's going on and nobody knows about it. Right? And then, and you think about it. Okay, so so we have something here, right? Um, but when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. The end speaking to that tribulation, speaking to that second coming, the last things. And as I, I quiet and I tried to summarize what with the time that we spent, false teachers, false prophets, false messiahs, they will downplay God's judgment when it comes. Right? They will downplay God's judgment. They will create their own program. You will find a culture that no longer talks about sin. No longer talks about being separated from God. Right? These false teachers, that's not why these things are happening. Do you see it? Right? The wars and commotions in our world, it's not because we're, we're, we're not abiding in, in, in God. We're not following His commandments. That's not why. That's the furthest thing from why it's going on in our world. These commotions and wars. I mean, violence? You know, Russian war? I mean, it's not corruption. No, we have nothing to... That's not, that's not because 
they're, they're against God. No. You had a culture who, who no longer talks about hell. Right? And I mean, we, we, we keep discussing that. I don't like it in the scriptures. What am I going to do? I remove it. Right? Is there a lake of fire for those that reject? Yes, there certainly is. Is there wrath on those that reject and live and, and cause these wars and commotions today? Yes, the Bible teaches that, but you will have false prophets that seek to remove that from Scripture. All of a sudden, there we have this false gospel that grows out of that. And you'll have a culture of false teachers that remove accountability. I'm fine the way I am. This is me. This is how I do me. And all of a sudden, we have almost like a Swiss cheese faith culture growing up. And that's where Christianity will find itself. And, and is there similarities to today? You'll find a culture with these false teachers in the midst of the wars and commotions, right? And in the midst of, of denying that God would do this to a, a rebellious people, right? Both lost and people that say they believe. You'd find a culture that only talks of love, right? With no, no contrast to that. Only joy, no contrast, no consequence for sin in disobedience. You find a, a culture where it's, it's only about hope and how I'm living now, how my family's living now, and how, how my community, how my church is living now. It doesn't matter. It's all about hope. I mean, go, go read through some of the worship songs that are, are being written. You don't find much about accountability. Everybody is good before Jesus, I mean, it doesn't matter what your lifestyle lives. You could be living out of wedlock. You could, and I mean, fill in the blank. But, but it's, it, it's, it's all about, and you have a culture that, that just emphasizes this. And what does that lead to? It leads to confusion. It leads to chaos. It leads to people walking away from their faith when true persecution and pressure comes up. And we'll read that in the next session, right? If you don't have a proper understanding that... That sin separates, it breaks fellowship for the believer. Right? And God is a God of love, but we have to come to that line. And God will deal with those that are away. If you don't have that proper, when God is dealing with his people, there's only confusion and chaos. People are like, I don't, have you heard this? I don't even know what I believe anymore. Have you heard people say that the last two years? I don't even know what I believe anymore. And it's like, let's go back to Genesis. Right, and the whole class goes, oh, but that's the foundation. Adam and Eve, I gave you, I gave you a command, one command, and you made a choice. And God has to deal with that in his justice. Love, right? And we have to bring them back to that. So I don't want to go too far, but we think of the, the, the shadow of things to come. We think of Jesus sitting in the temple, and I wrote it this way. There will be generations raised in the shadow of temple who do not know, do not believe, do not care about how God deals with them in sin. It's not part of their makeup. Right? And is there similarities to that today? Very much so. Now, I'm not saying downplay the love and mercy of God, but that has to be balanced. God will deal with his sinning people. God will deal with a rejecting world. Right? And that has to be properly balanced. Come down to point four. And you can tell there that I, as I was dwelling on these wars and commotions, 
And again, I, I'm going to point out the last part of verse 9, but the end will not come immediately. Is the shadow of things. All right, we know the church is going to be removed, and next week we'll probably look at some of those precious rapture verses where we're, we're not appointed to wrath in, in 1 Thessalonians 5 or Revelation 3.10. Right? We're not going to face it, but there are things that are going to ramp up as the culture rejects God. The church is included in that. The church is going to have to go through some of that. And when we think about that, global and political unrest will come to the believer's life, the front door. We know that. I mean, I'm, I'm anticipating the rapture, but I know from these verses that tension, pressure, persecution is going to ramp up as that time gets close. Did we have some hints of that the past two years? I mean, we, we got some good wake-up calls that, you know what, all of a sudden, the government does have the authority to fill in the blank. Right, regardless of, of whether it's a virus or regardless of it is what, what they think. Right, and I'm just saying that all of a sudden we have to start thinking that way. The pressures, things are going to ramp up. And then all of a sudden we have to start evaluating where is the church in this? When the commotions start, where will the church find itself? Better stick to my notes here. Global and political unrest will come to the believer's life front door. Pre-tribulation, preparations and purging, I put in brackets there, is part of that purging the pre for the church as well? Because first John talks about not being found ashamed. Right, as appearing. Think of the condition of the church. Think of our church. Think of my place in my church. Think of the churches in this area. If, if the Lord was to return, if that trumpet was to sound, would we be found faithfully obeying what God has called us to do. And that's for maybe a seminar and a maybe more sensitive uh, um, setting. But I'm going to say in many ways we've watched a small group grow and become more steadfast. And we watched another group display things that are very concerning about the, 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 the church. Not just this one. We go bigger. Right? And God uses these things. Does the church need purifying? Of course it does. God's done that all through history. And he uses things like wars and commotions. So that quiets ourselves to see some of those applications right here. Um, how steadfast is the church now? What is it prepared or willing to face? We made it through a, 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 a small virus, <laughs> big impact. But what are we as the church willing to face as we know that these things are coming? What are we willing to face? And that's, a, that's something that, you know what, honestly, only the individual can answer. And then they partner with other believers with that. And that's where church unity becomes so important with that. The question would be, as we're thinking about these tensions and, and what have you there, the, the when, immediately. Like when are these things going to take place? Well, you know what? Wars are taking place right now. <laughs> commotion. I mean, there's lots of commotions going on, and I'm never going to put a time. And I was thinking about our conversation, Brent, right? Time. Our, our first is like, when's it going to happen? Well, we don't know. <laughs> Brent's like, what's time for the one who made time? I mean, God's not concerned about time. He's got his plan set out. 
So what's the church's response as the wars and commotions and, and as people's pockets get more empty and, and shelves become more bare and, and concerns of this world become to ramp up? What should the church's concern be in the midst of this? Because it says the end will not come immediately. You imagine living in Russia right now as a believer. You think they read this differently? <laughs> right? I mean, like, so how long, Lord, are you going to ask us to go through this? What do you think the church over there is willing to say? It's quite a bit different, I guarantee you, than North American church. As the, 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 the churches are blown up and people are dying and pastors are arrested and, and, and families are split apart and they're burying their dead, that church is reading this a lot differently. So we say when, thinking of Brent and I's conversation, the church should not be so concerned about the time as it should be about its testimony. Right? Right? Like people are watching. What, 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 what's, uh, what are we called to do? It's testimony as it faces, endures, and embraces these key things during these wars, during the, the, the commotions, during this time of tension. We're to be proclaiming God's program and timing. Right? We're, we're called to that. We're called to declare. We're called to stand in the face during this tension and say, you know what? God's doing this. God's allowing this. God's permitting this. I mean, we, we, we very carefully tread around that, but, but God said he was going to do this. Just as Jesus is telling these people in the temple, God is going to do this because he's judging sin and disobedience and rejection. God's line has been drawn and the church is commanded to declare it during these times of tension. We're not called to run. I put fight and flight. Uh, we're not called to run, we're not called to, to isolate, we're not called to flee, we're called to step into it. And that's something that we'll all answer, answer for. And I keep using that term, again, young men in Christ church, I'm doing a reality check here. When we think of, of us as a church, us as believers, who today is declaring? You know, who, who is, who has been? What has that looked like over the past two years? Because, you know what, last time I checked, I, I'm not in the presence of the Lord yet, so the rapture hasn't happened, <laughs> right? So that means something else is coming. More commotion, more war. I don't know when, but we know we read in Scripture that it's coming. So what is that going to look like for Coldstream Baptist Church? What's that going to look like for Jeremy Simpson? Um, and we could talk, talk about that a little bit more. But in verses 10 to 19, and, and we continue to put these pieces together, he says this, Then he said to them, okay, and we're going to be very, very clear about this. Uh, verse 12 says, but before all these things. So verse 10 and 11 are looking out past, okay? About past the time there that they're speaking here. This is speaking to the, the tribulation and the things that are going in. Uh, approaching the second coming of Christ, says this, Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines and pestilence, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. And part of me as a, as a, as a teacher just wants to, and we, maybe we'll do it, um, I have to time it, but just read through Revelation. 
right, with very minimal commentary and just read through what Jesus is saying is going to happen here. So it's all in one parcel. So we can all go, God warned us. God told us. God, God has given us his message to declare. What am I going to do with this? Right, just putting it in sequence. But 12, 12 to 19 is, is what I kind of want to wrap up with. So we'll read it. We'll go to Matthew 10. And, and honestly, if you understand English, which I'm looking around and most of us at least can make a good attempt at it, the application grows out of this text. Okay? Verse 12 says, But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you. Who's the you? Yeah, the, the, the disciples, believers. Um, you know, I might even there because we have the whole council of Scripture. Those who believe, sacrifice, follow, and are at Pentecost. Right? We, we include the church in this as we read it. They will lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. So wars, commotions, and guess what? Persecution. But it will turn out for you, believers, and I would include born-again believers as Pentecost takes place, the church, you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth of wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. It's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Right? It doesn't say go in, go in unprepared. It just says go in surrendered. Because when that time comes, God will speak through you. The amazing thing. Maybe not so much the persecution, but speaking for God that way. That would be amazing. <laughs> you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience or endurance, possess your souls or, or your life now. As I studied that, it sounded awfully familiar. That's not the first time that these men had heard this. Right? The men sitting here. It wasn't the first time that they heard this. And for that there, that we need to go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. When these men, and not all of them, I mean, Jesus gathered a, a, a group following them throughout his ministry. But they didn't sign up to follow Jesus. They didn't sign up in obedience, not knowing what they were getting into. Jesus never hid that. And why is that important? That's important because when pressures rise up, why do so many run? Why do so many flee? Why do so many disappear when times get hard? And part of it is, I, I don't think they, they read their scriptures. I don't think they understand. And, and perhaps they're not in that place of sacrificing and committing. And God will deal with that one day. But if I was just to pick some verses, I'd start in verse 16. This is when they're first called. The 12 apostles being sent out. And this is what you sign on the, on the line four, when you say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Right? I, I want to follow you in obedience. What does this look like? He says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. 
You might remember that study that we've done. Serpents know when to get out of the road. You ever tried to catch one? I tried to catch one out by the shed. Sorry, I meant to tell you. Right? I mean, they're pretty quick. They know. Snakes know when to get out of the road. Harmless as doves. Doves can sit there, right, and not bother anyone. Right? But be there. There's that picture there. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in synagogues. Well, that sounds like fun. Sign me up, Jesus. You will be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake as a testimony to them and to Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. These men sitting in the temple, Jesus saying this is all going to be gone. Wars and commotions, tension is going to ramp up, but nothing's changed. Your commission has changed. You are, you are called to declare Christ is king. You are declared, called to declare that Christ has died for them. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and father his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Why? Because they believe in Christ. Because they're standing on the word of God, because they're speaking for God. And their families have nothing, they don't want anything to do with that. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Saved from what? Judgment that's coming. The 8070 that's coming. Right? We are saved by faith in what Jesus did on the cross. We're not saved by works. As here, saved, whenever you read that word, ask from what? And that being saved is the judgment the, the, the coming A.D. 70, and as we read it as the church, being saved from the coming tribulation, that wrath. Right? We're going to be delivered. And, we're gonna, and as we endure, God's like, you know what? Or Jesus here, he's like, you're not going to go through that wrath. Right? You're going to be saved from that. As you endure through it, you will, you will be delivered from that. And that's a beautiful study that we'll have to do sometime. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Like that, that, that patience, enduring. You're not going to go through this wrath that you're warning them about. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Where do we read that title? Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. Now, this is talking about, about the deity and the, the kingship of Christ. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Right? The master is going to go through suffering, so will the disciple and servant. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call the those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. I think I'd like to, in respect for time... Jump down to verse 32. The idea during your persecution, during your pressure, during the, the wars and commotions and, and dealing with the authorities that we know is coming. And this is where the church should get really quiet. How am I going to handle it when these things, when the tension ramps up? It says, therefore, whoever confesses me before men... Him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Hmm. Very interesting to consider. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny 
before my Father who is in heaven. When's this taking place? I don't have time to get into it. But when are all a believer's works going to be accounted for? Judgment seat of Christ. Right? When you're king, the judge is sitting on the throne, right hand of the Father, and your works are played out for all to see. We will be held accountable for how we, we hold the line. How we declare Christ during those wars and commotions and, and the tensions ramping up. Jesus says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. You don't hear that much in worship music either, do we? For I have come to set a man against his father, and daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother's mother against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his whole his own household, not out of spite, not out of out of foolishness, not of the things of the world. This is just over the word of God, and where they stand before Christ, drawing those lines. Come down to verse thirty-nine with me. Out verse 38, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And we're back to that coined, you know, the whole stay, sacrifice, and serve. Regardless, whether it's a small virus or whether the economy has tanked and, and, and the world is burning around us, we're to stay, sacrifice, and serve. Regardless, he who finds his life will lose it. If you seek to preserve it, if you, if you seek to go into that shell, if you seek to, to, to go in the self-preservation mode, as God has called us, as Christ has called us out to declare what's going on, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And it's not just boldness, it's walking in that obedience. And that's something you don't do on your own. If I was to go back through here and count out how many times plural is used, it's together. That's the importance of the church when these times come out. So if I was just to close this and say, God has always told, warned, and shown his people in his word. Right? I mean, this isn't a secret. I mean, he's shown us in his word what he will do and would do against them for their disobedience. God hasn't hidden that from us. And the principle as we read this is, having heard, what will they do? They'll sit in the temple. I mean, what are they going to do with this message? The same thing for us. What will we do? Having <laughs> read, and, and again, it's in English. I don't have to, to rehash that. What are we going to do with this? Dearly Father, Lord, this uh, it's a very straightforward text. Lord, we think of these men, and Lord, we know that women were actively um, involved and very much part of these men's lives, Lord, as they went community to community. And Lord, as a people, they, they heard these messages. As a people, when they sat at the feet of Jesus, they knew that decisions that they were making, in most cases, in this context, meant losing their lives. And Lord, growing out of this, we see a Christianity that, that you used powerfully. I mean, you... you you turn the world upside down. Lord, my prayer this morning would be that, that your people here this morning would take hold of that. We would look at our hearts. 
We would look at, at, at our motives. We would look at what we're willing, what we've surrendered to you. And Lord, I pray that you would bring a revival. Lord, I pray that you would bring just a, a, an awakening to times are going to get tougher. Things are going to get worse. Lord, and, and as you tarry, Lord, us as your people need to be prepared to endure and possess this, this, this life, possess our souls. And I just pray that we would never try it alone. We would never try and, and, and self-preserve ourselves. Lord, I pray that we would bind ourselves together. And Lord, you just raise up a, a powerful force here in Coldstream. And I pray these things in your precious name. Amen.